Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. Brexit means Brexit. My administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. Hello and welcome to uh, Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other. I'm Royfield Brown, who's in a, who's in a wet grey Birmingham, back home with my parents. And today I'm joined by Gabe uh, Fleischer. Uh, Gabe, where exactly are you today, sir? I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. The middle of America, which I suppose goes to the heart of actually what you do, which is you run this influential newsletter, which is non-partisan. So if you're in the middle of the country... You're balanced, aren't you? I don't know that being in the middle of the country necessarily gives you uh, any political balance because there's certainly partisans right here in, in Missouri, just like there are on either coast. But I, I do think um, by virtue of my living in St. Louis and not living you know, kind of in Washington, D.C. or New York or L.A., where a lot of journalists are located, I do think I come at journalism with a bit of a different perspective than a lot of other journalists. I do try to be nonpartisan. I don't know that necessarily being in the Midwest makes you nonpartisan by any measure, but but I do think it gives me a different perspective than other journalists. I said that somewhat tongue-in-cheek when I said that <laughs> yeah, you were balanced, but how hard is it for you to be nonpartisan in these times which are incredibly rife with uh, partisanship? I uh, first really got interested in politics during the 2008 elections. I was about six or seven years old and just got really fascinated by the, the campaign and by presidential history in general and then kind of slowly, you know, became more and more passionate about American politics. I, and, and pretty quickly that turned into writing about American politics in kind of the newsletter that I run today. And so I guess pretty much all of my political involvement has been, for the most part, through the lens of covering politics and trying to do it, like you said, in kind of a balanced way. I think for me, a lot of people do ask a lot, thinking it must be so difficult to um, stay nonpartisan. But the honest truth is that that's kind of been my whole focus ever since I really started following politics, was just trying to look at it from all perspectives and, and try to report the news as straightforwardly as I could, as down the middle as I could. I think it is something that's challenging for a lot of people, but for me personally, it's just kind of how I've always looked at politics, just more in, in the terms of how I can cover it for my readers, how I can explain it to them and, and, and make it make the most sense possible while not taking you know, a side either way. Some would say that it's incredibly brave 
to try and be non-partisan now because with the rise of podcasts and of course before that cable tv niche interests niche niche groups it's niche not niche because i am english um and our various societal and political peccadilloes can just be exaggerated because we don't have to go out of our political silos where does your news end and punditry start and do you feel that maybe if you did produce a right-wing or a left-wing newsletter you might have more listeners and more fire yeah i think it's a fair question i mean i think to take kind of the second part first I do think there's an element to which in our political ecosystem. I mean, I think especially, I guess, you know, obviously I, I'm 18 and so I'm a young person and I do think the kind of standard model, and not that this is right or wrong, of young people kind of getting involved in politics is by becoming activists for either side. And you see mm-hmm. people on the left and the right, you know, young people having very large platforms, you know, um, you know campaigning for candidates or, or for different issues. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I think you're right that it clearly is a model, you know, certainly in the media and certainly for young people, you know, getting involved in politics in the media, it's certainly a model for people to attract a large platform. So I suppose it's possible that if I had decided to do that, I'd have a larger platform. But to me, I don't think that's as useful. Like, I think we have enough people that are telling people their opinions and telling people how to think and what to think. And that's just not what I try to do. And, and I have been able to, to grow a, a pretty you know, sizable audience or, or I, I, you know, I'm proud of the audience we're able to grow. And I think part of that is because I'm nonpartisan. And so maybe it would be bigger if I was partisan, but I do think there are people that are looking for, not people telling them what to think or how to think, just looking for the facts and looking to kind of um, understand what's going on just from a purely unbiased perspective or nonpartisan perspective of just trying to sort through the news every day. So I, you know, I think there's obviously a lot of people that get sucked into their, you know, their kind of silos, like you say. But I do think there's a lot of other people um, that that are actually looking for kind of unbiased news and looking for for news that isn't trying to tell them what to think and is just giving them the facts. So, uh, Gabe, I I knew you were young, right? And you're making me feel even older than than I feel at, at the moment, right? But you are very young, aren't you? Um, just before we actually hit record, you you let out the fact that you're 18 and you've been running your mm-hmm. newsletter for how long? I've been running it since 2011. I was about nine years old when it started. Wow. All right. So how frustrating was it for the uh, nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old Gabe that you couldn't actually go and vote? <laughs> it, it's... um. I frustrate, I think it's fair to say, I mean, it's, it's certainly, I, look, I think there's no doubt voting is a huge part of our, our political process. And so it was annoying when I was younger that that was, I was able to participate in that way. But I like to think that I found my own ways that, that I was able to kind of play a role in, in the political process and the civic process. So even without voting, I, I still found there are ways to get involved. I, I'm guessing that you haven't actually ever voted I actually, I have voted um, now um, since I've turned 18 in, in like local elections that, that have been held in the past few months. And of course, we can't ask you which way you voted. I, I, I will not answer. All right. Um, you've got 30,000 subscribers to your newsletter, which is called Wake Up to Politics. Um, as a nine-year-old, what did a nine-year-old have to say in that very first newsletter? 
the, the very first newsletter was actually um, to my mom, was my first subscriber, my first and only subscriber at that time. Now I have about 50,000, and so it's definitely um, grown. Well, well listen, I'm, I'm sorry for misreporting. That is okay. I feel like I'm, you know, underreporting corona deaths or something like that. It, it's it's 50,000, not 30,000. That's, that's okay. It was basically a similar format to what I do today. It was sent every weekday morning. I, I was just trying to cover pretty much what happened yesterday and what's going to happen today in American politics, focusing on the White House, on Congress, on courts. Then I believe the very first newsletter you asked about the first day, I believe it was the day Mitt Romney launched his exploratory committee um, mm -hmm. to run for president in 2012. But, but in terms of what I was covering, uh, pretty much the, the, the same stuff. So Gabe, right. what were nine-year-old boys doing in uh, 2011? What were they playing with? What computer games were they playing with? <laughs> I, 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 was, I, I, I never played many computer games. I was, maybe well, that's, that's why what I, I was going to say. Don't you uh, feel that you've missed out on childhood? Right. I, I do not. I, I do not. I, I don't all feel right. that way at all. I, I, I have a lot of friends and I, I play games and I, I'm a normal kid in a lot of respects. I, I do this right. in the summer, but I, um, Very say. obviously, um, what you do is editorialize uh, yesterday's political news, as you just said. So which is which is actually more important? Was it the second night of the DNC uh, conference? Uh, was it the Senate Intelligence Committee's uh, bipartisan report on ties between the Trump campaign and Russia at the start of the uh, 2016 election? Or was it the Postmaster General announcing that he's going to halt all changes to the Postal Service in the 2020 election? Which one of those is the most significant, would you say? I mean, I guess I'll say, this is a cop out, I'll say I covered all three in this morning's newsletter. So I don't think like one has to be any more important than the other. I, I, I covered all three of them because they're all three important stories and important developments. But you ran them in a particular order. Was that order because you knew that's what your consumers are going to want? So you, you, you started with the, with the Democratic National uh, Convention or was it the fact that you're thinking of posterity or was it true newsworthiness? I think much more the latter. I mean, I, I don't really spend that much time thinking about what my readers are going to click on or want to read. I don't really think that should factor into those decisions. I think, yeah, I think the posterity point you bring up, for me, like any every four years when we have the conventions, I think just necessarily, I, I cover American politics very specifically, and I just think necessarily something like a political convention rises to the top of being like the most newsworthy, most, I don't want to say most newsworthy, but but it's certainly, they're always, it's just always going to be kind of the lead story. It's the conventions, they only happen every four years. They're a big part of framing the election cycles. I, I anticipate, you know, every day of the convention, generally I, I'll start out um, with, you know, just a summary of what happened the night before. Um, it's not, not going to be the only thing in that day's newsletter. But but I do think, you know, the, the Democrats nominating their presidential candidate for the November cycle is historical note for posterity that, that I think merits it coming at the top. But those other stories that you mentioned are also very important to the kind of immediacy of what's going on right now. Written throughout the DNA of your newsletter is the fact that it's non-partisan. So I'm guessing that how you basically determine uh, your, your stories is by looking at kind of trusted news sources. Again, in these partisan times, how hard is that? Or do you say, well, I know this source is right. This, this source is, let's say, democratic. I know they're maybe going to twist the story slightly 
this way or that way and then you kind of gayize it you know how exactly do you look at your primary sources and then also do you have kind of insiders who you basically go for or maybe give you tidbits of information yeah it's both you know the newsletter it's um a lot of it is kind of summarizing other outlets reporting and kind of giving people kind of a one-stop shop for kind of the most important things they need to know from other outlets i also you know do report my own original reporting um whenever you know i'm able to whenever i'm able to report out you know stories that that i've reported myself from my own sources and so it's a mix of those um when i'm reporting when i'm kind of um summarizing what other outlets are reporting i'm really i'm looking at the the news sides of those operations so i do think you won't see anything about any op-eds or any opinion pieces for the most part and mm-hmm. so it's mostly just you know taking um each outlet for for what they are most of the kind of outlets that make up the mainstream media so to speak any any outlet that has a a serious news gathering operation even if it also has a serious opinion side whether that be the New York Times or Fox News you know if, if they're journalists that I know and trust and they're reporting new information then I I I'll cite them in the newsletter and and point my readers there if 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 they're the outlet kind of reporting um that 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 important information for the day So you started in uh, 2011 as a a veteran political reporter at the age of 9, right? Mm-hmm. And and here you are now um age 18 with 50,000 subscribers, you know, you mentioned in in the New York Times as um, you know, a great way to start your political day. In what ways have you noticed American politics has actually changed in your in your reporting of it in that time? Very obviously we've had two elections. Mm-hmm. We're actually on the third election cycle in presidential. Uh but give us a sense of how you can see the the American political landscape change in that time. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think I at least from from the from the very limited perspective, I I think there's larger trends and ways to answer the question. I'll start by just saying like from the purview of someone writing a morning newsletter, there's just a lot more going on. And so there's just a lot more each day to report on and sift through. I mean, like you just said it, like you just listed off three major stories that probably, you know, back in 2011, you know, any one of them would have been no question the top story for the day, but now here in 2020 we have three of those. And so I just think it's the explosion of things going on, the speed of the news cycle. And I think that's part of what people look to my newsletter for. that that's I think why it's been able to grow so much is people just need help sorting through back in 2011 when I sent the newsletter there would be days I'd wake up and it would be hard to like find things to write about so I think the politicians of that era were were le- made news less often were less interested in being headlines as often and so now it's unimaginable to think of like needing to look for the news mm-hmm. you know and now it's right there in front of us so I think from the perspective of like writing a newsletter okay. you were seriously telling me that you were struggling for news back in uh I think 2011. I, there were days then I'd wake up and and there's just there wasn't as much to write about and you know a big part of my newsletter has always been kind of just giving the schedules of the president of congress what's just happening in Washington that day and so that's always been the newsletter but there were definitely times that there just weren't many other headlines beyond that but when it was Romney versus Obama just two people less interested in in making big headlines making big splashes Gabe are you basically saying that when you have two political figures who respectfully disagree and who are quite competent at what they do there's less things to write about i'm not going so far as to say that i'm saying different politicians That's have definitely different... my inference sir 
I might not necessarily. I didn't make any judgment on confidence or on anything like that. I just think there's different politicians with different media strategies. And right now we're seeing a lot of politicians on the left and the right who are very good at making news and using Twitter and using social media and using Instagram lives, you know, just blanket, you know, bring news to their followers and generate coverage. And so that's not a judgment on confidence because that takes a level of competence to make. How much is President Trump a newsmaker as opposed to somebody who's actually governing and presiding? I think he's someone who's very focused on both. I don't think one has to be the answer. I think Donald Trump, more than any president we've seen, since maybe, you know, Lyndon Johnson or Richard Nixon is very clearly and openly focused on how he's covered in the media. And we know from reporting that he wakes up in the morning and he very much wants to be the Chiron on his TV. He wants to be on the front page of the New York Times. And, and, and he makes sure that he's, whether he's tweeting or making a speech or writing a law, that, that he makes sure he's going to generate coverage. He's very, there's no question he's very focused on and, that. And how much of that is him bullying the media? It's, it's not by accident that he keeps on saying fake news, uh, the press is the enemy of the people. He wants to try and control the media narrative, whether it is to push forward his agenda or to deflect. One of the incredible things about Donald Trump is he is very good on social media, but... Is every day, it's relentless. He's got something to say and it mm-hmm. acts as a way of deflecting. So, so for me, it's somewhat kind of disingenuous that he's always uh, saying that, the, en- that the, the media is the enemy of the people. I would say Donald Trump, it's an interesting balance because you're right. At one hand, he rails against the media constantly mm-hmm. and he calls them the enemy of the people and he, us, fake news, and he twists how reporters are reporting about him. But at the same time, he's very solicitous of the media and he needs the media and he recognizes that and he wants positive media coverage. He takes questions more than his recent predecessors. He's having a press conference today. He does most days. So the issue isn't accessibility. It's oftentimes, you know, the truth of what he's saying or like you say, the volume, whether he's saying so much that he's trying to kind of flood the zone. It can be difficult to sort through those statements and make sure that you're fact checking them. But there is an inherent contradiction there to calling reporters fake news and then also doing so many interviews with them. And so I think it just goes to show how even as he's risen to prominence by bashing the media, he also recognizes he's only done it uh, by really trying hard to control, like you say, media narratives and and to, to kind of court them. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. 
from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I think it was uh, disgraceful, disgraceful, that the intelligence agencies allowed any information that turned out to be so false and fake out. I think it's a disgrace. And I say that, and I say that, and that's something that Nazi Germany would have done and did do. I think it's a disgrace. That information that was false and fake and never happened got released to the public. As far as BuzzFeed, which is a failing pile of garbage, writing it, I think they're going to suffer the consequences. They already are. And as far as CNN going out of their way to build it up, and by the way, we just found out I was coming down, Michael Cohn, I was being, Michael Cohn is a very talented lawyer, he's a good lawyer in my firm. It was just reported that it wasn't this Michael Cohn they were talking about. So all night long, it's Michael Cohn. I said, I want to see your passport. He brings his passport to my office. I say, hey, wait a minute, he didn't leave the country. He wasn't out of the country. They had Michael Cohn of the Trump Organization was in Prague. It turned out to be a different Michael Cohn. It's a disgrace what took place. It's a disgrace. And I think they ought to apologize to start with Michael Cohn. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, not you. Not you. Your organization's terrible. Your organization's terrible. Let's go. Go ahead. Quiet. Quiet. Go ahead. She's, she's asking a question. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. You are fake news. Go ahead. Go ahead. If, if Donald Trump is forever saying fake news, fake news, and I think anyone has to agree, whether you are Republican or Democrat or, or independent, that the rhetoric of Donald Trump is very different from any other recent American politician, arguably you could say that since Andrew Jackson, we've never had a politician who's used words that at least in their time has been so bellicose and divisive. I can safely say that without a Republican saying, no, 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 he's eloquent as Obama or as amiable as, as Bush. You know, Donald Trump is just different. Okay. Um, how balanced can media be when you yourself, you mentioned the word lies, Again, without wanting to be too partisan, but that is our job here. We are, we are partisan. But I think objectively, Donald Trump and the Washington Post has actually counted them. And I forget how many. It's 20,000, 30,000. It's a lot since he's become president. Mm -hmm. He has misled, lied on thousands of occasions. How important is it that non-partisan media like yourself call out those lies all those misleading statements for what they are. It's critically important. I think a huge role, a huge part of a journalist's job always, but especially now, is to fact check and, and to ensure that any politician, whenever they're speaking, you know, especially someone like the president of the United States, if they're speaking to the American people, they're delivering true information. And if they're not, 
being open with your readers or viewers or listeners and, and being very aggressive about pointing out when their statements aren't truthful. So I, I think it's a, it's a critical part of the journalist's job. Surely then when you say this is, this is untrue, then you have the other side of the political spectrum saying that you are shills for the other side and you're in a, a little bit of a, a no-win situation. Can somebody speak truth to Donald Trump and then still have access? You know, I get feedback from my readers every day, and, and, I, and I love getting feedback from my readers and hearing whenever they think, whether they're from the left or the right, think that I missed the mark. So you're never going to please anyone. To be nonpartisan isn't to say that you're being completely unbiased, because we all have biases and none of us are robots, you know, you know with completely... With, with, you know, without our ex own experiences and perspectives. So you can't lie and say that isn't there. But I think the key is to try to be objective always. And so if Donald Trump says something that isn't true, you know, that isn't objectively true, then you have to state that just as I would if Joe Biden did or Bernie Sanders or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or any other politician. You just have to be fair and you have to, you have to hold power to account no matter what their party label is. And if there's people that have trouble with you doing that, you know, in any cases, yeah, I mean, they are welcome to, you know, unsubscribe or whatever it may be. But that's what I try to do every day. Um, when Donald Trump calls into Fox News in the morning, do you think they're doing a true journalistic job? They hold in power to account. I, I think like I will say personally, just in terms of how I consume the news, I do not watch much cable TV because I don't find that it's often the most useful thing in terms of. But, that, but Gabe, that wasn't the question. The question was, um, I don't watch Fox News, but mm -hmm. I, I've, I've seen the clips when Donald Trump mm -hmm. was rung into mm -hmm. Fox News. They're not journalists then, are they, by your definition? I'm not trying to define journalists. I want to be clear about that. There's opinion journalists are out there. What I was going to say, what I was going to say is that, uh, it is that on Fox News or MSNBC or many cable networks, I, I think there are, there's an emphasis on opinion journalists and whether or not they're open about that label, that's what they are. And so, yes, they're, they're interviewing him from, it, from their bias and they're not trying to hide their political persuasion. And so if it's on Fox News, they're giving him oftentimes softball questions and, and, and no, not fully holding power to account because I don't think that makes them not journalists, but they're opinion journalists. And, and some of Fox News's hosts are more open than that. Like Sean Hannity would tell you that openly, that he's an opinion journalist. And therefore, if his opinions match up closely with Donald Trump, then no, it's not a very aggressive interview or one that's going to really test him or hold his feet to the fire because, you know, just his, you know, pers political persuasion is so clearly matched up and his advocacy is oftentimes is lined up with Donald Trump. So the White House press office, they call you up um, as soon as you put down the phone to me, right? You know, so basically it's the end of our interview. You've been grilled by Royfield Brown of, of, of Mid-Atlantic, right? And you, you're there like fanning yourself afterwards saying, bloody hell, you know, that was a hard hitting interview. And the White House press office then call you up and you go, oh, thank goodness. This is easy, right? And they say, okay, you've got half an hour with, with Donald Trump. What are your first three questions? That, that's a good question. I think, I think right now, um, just in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, I think it would be hard for me to ask about anything other than that. So I think for me, because I'm a student, one of, certainly one of my questions would be about schools reopening. Now, he's been pretty um, you know, heavily advocating for schools to reopen, but in the past few days, we've seen colleges have to kind of roll back their plans because of the surge of cases on college campuses. 
So I think that would certainly be one of my main questions is whether he you know, has seen those kinds of hot spots emerge at college campuses and still feels like it's safe to send children back to school. You know, staying on that topic, you know, asking about, um, you know, his um, delay or, you know, the fact that he's still yet to come up with any sort of national kind of testing or contact tracing plan. I think that would be an important topic. I would want to kind of hit on what, what is his plan um, for, for the pandemic? What is he doing to, to try to, you know, bend the curve uh, of the coronavirus? I think that would be a, a main question. And then, and then I think also, um, to, because I guess I would anticipate, you know, a lot of his response to be, as he has in the past, dismissing the virus, I think to ask kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about, about his misinformation about the virus because he has spread, you know, incorrect statistics or incorrect ideas about the virus. We just saw, you know, in the past few days, there's been reporting he's pushing an unproven drug to help the coronavirus. So to ask him about the impact that he thinks that has had, whether he feels like he's been honest with the American people throughout the pandemic, whether he feels like um, what the, what the role, what the impact of a president, is, you know, not always um, being upfront with the president of the pandemic, whether he thinks that is part of why it's gone on this long and continues to impact the country. So I think that would probably turn into more than three questions, but those are probably topics that. All right. All right. I, I think it's interesting that you are going to uh, go so hard in on coronavirus when we have the Senate Intelligence Committee's uh, report mm -hmm. on uh, Russian links between the Trump campaign um you know in the 2016 um elections and the fact that you know he said this is fake news and for the last four years and this is a bipartisan committee there are republicans who have actually said no there were these links and there was a key russian spy in effect embedded in the in 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 the trump campaign and they had you know extensive kind of and links with him and surely if we're just going to look at you know his response to coronavirus you know he's interviewed chris wallace he's going to wave around some some graphs and then when you say oh no 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 he's going to get one of his aides to go and get another graph and tell you that you're, you're looking at the figures um in another way by the way i'm not saying that your questions weren't good <laughs> I just realized how, how that's going to find. If, if, I, if, if I were to interview President Trump, and, and I hope I, I will be able to soon, I'd have many more than two questions. The points you raise are equally you know, important questions, and I'd have a lot to ask. It would be very difficult to trim right. it down to three, right. if that's what we'd have to do. Um, Those are the things on my mind, though, and I think particularly as a student, there are questions about school reopening, like I said, that I, I don't feel like he's been asked really I, yet. It, that, I, from that perspective of a student, I think. It has to be said, when I saw uh, your fresh-faced picture, uh, you, you got a, a touch of the Justin Trudeau's about you in, in, in that picture, you know, and he's a good-looking good looking guy, so I don't know what that says, right? <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I did say to myself, how, how, old, how old is this guy? And then when you told me, I nearly, I nearly, left, nearly fell off my podcasting chair. But, but anyway... Um, where does your newsletter go next? Where can it go next? Because you've got high school to finish, haven't you? Or you've got college to go to. Surely you've got girls to date or boys to date. I don't want to be heteronormative, you know, or maybe you're even asexual. I don't know. It's not for, it's not for, for you to say in this podcast, but I'm sure you've got a certain amount of growing up to do. And you've got um, a public that really wants more non-partisan uh political news so where does the newsletter go 
Sure. Yeah. So I, I just graduated high school a few months ago. And so I'll be studying college. Thank you. At uh, Georgetown University in uh, oh, wow. Washington, D.C. So I, I'm excited about that so soon. Georgetown isn't welcoming students back to campus for the first semester, but I'm still hoping to um, make my way soon to, to Washington. And my hope is to really, you know, like we talked about earlier, kind of grow the original reporting side of my newsletter, you know, incorporate more interviews. Maybe the president will be one of them, but incorporate um, more interviews and original reporting into my newsletter and just grow it as much as I can. I also have a podcast as well um, with St. Louis Public Radio that I'll be continuing to to do from from DC. So just my hope to continue working uh, on those and, and grow as much as I grow them as much as I can. Gabe, so we started off with you saying that you're not part of the elites, you're in the middle of America, you're unsullied by the coastal biases. And now you told me you're going off to Washington. I am indeed. I am. I, you know, I, I think I am very proud of the perspective I bring by journalism as being someone from the Midwest. And, and I love it here in St. Louis. But I, I, I really I, I am very excited to, to have the opportunity to be able to live in D.C. And, and interview some of the major players and be kind of right in the action. I, I hope that I don't lose, you know, the, the part of me that, that is from Missouri and that is removed from, from being part of D.C. But, but I also think, you know, in terms of bringing value to my readers, I, I think there'll be a lot for me to do and cover. In DC, so I'm excited. So you're going to the seat of power to tell truth to power. That, that's the goal. That's my hope. Boom. Uh, Gabe Fleischer, thank you for coming on to Mid Atlantic and um, having a good old natter with us, as we say in England. Uh, just remind everybody where they can catch up with your newsletter, sir, and your good works. Sure. Um, you can find the newsletter at wakeuptopolitics.com super simple and uh, the last time we reported on it there were 50,000 sub- daily subscribers that's obviously gone up by what another what 3,000 sorry the newsletter subscribers yeah is it's it's about 50,000 yeah but oh hopefully... well was it the start oh, I, 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 I said 30,000 oh oh <laughs> that's true that's true well, yeah it's a weak attempt at humor but Gabe <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on to Mid-Atlantic thanks and, so much for having me by the way uh bottom of the newsletter little link i did this interview with this um incredibly um intelligent warm good looking uh, english guy and you can check out my interview with him uh here so don't forget to put that at the bottom you, uh, you don't have to don't lead in with it don't lead okay, in okay, on the okay. newsletter do the dnc do, sure, do the sure. democratic national congress go at the top. second okay. story second story hard-hitting political interview with Royfield Brown of Mid-Atlantic, you know, just, just underneath, just underneath. Uh, thank you for listening, folks. This has been Mid-Atlantic. This is our, I've been talking to our new best friend, Gabe Fleischer. His newsletter is wonderful. I've been uh, subscribing to it and reading it for the last, what, three, four weeks now. And I suggest that you do. So it's wakeuptopolitics.com. That's right. com. Go there, uh, become a subscriber. And it uh, doesn't matter whether you're a uh, Democrat, Republican, British, Canadian or American. It's blooming good and it'll give you a real good, concise set of information on the, not only what has happened yesterday, but uh, the things which are probably going to happen today. So go and do that. WakeUpToPolitics.com. Don't forget, you can go on to MidAtlanticShow.com. You can uh, leave us a voice note by hitting the speak pipe button over there on the right. That means you've got a right of reply. You can talk for up to two minutes and we can include that on a future show. Um, I hope you're enjoying these uh, interviews that that we're doing, uh, specifically on the run-up to the American election. The, The normal pundit team, 
are still here. I know you're probably thinking, where's Emma? Yeah, where's Doug? Where's Laura? They are still here. Being as we live um, in contentious, interesting, thought-provoking, continuously media-generating times, uh, we're upping our output here. And part of that upping of the output is to speak to interesting people like Gabe. That's been me, Royfield Brown at Mid-Atlantic. Uh, you can send me an email where I'm just quite simply royfield at gmail.com. Uh, you can uh, find me on Twitter or I'm at Royfield, but I'm rubbish on that. I say that every time. Uh, take care, look after yourselves, and don't forget, left of centre politics is right politics. Bye-bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.